I think that I was young and thought I wanted to be on TV. I mean, truthfully. And I didn't love what I was learning. I was thinking, that's not what I want to do. And I was watching Oprah and she said, you should do something that you love. And I switched my major to retail. That's Stephanie Clymer. I'm Kara Duffy. And this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Welcome to the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Let's jump right in and tell everyone who you are, where you are in the world, and what you're up to. Okay, amazing. I am Stephanie Clymer. I am located basically a neighbor of yours in Newport Beach, California. And what I'm up to, as far as your probably listeners want to know about other powerful ladies, is I am an entrepreneur and I run a women's clothing brand and store called Shop Common Thread. Where did the idea come from to have your own shop? Like so many people think like, oh, that'd be so fun to have my own store. It's also a really big endeavor. So how did you get to having the store that you have today? Okay. Well, it started as thinking it was really just a fun idea. And (laughs) this is kind of an embarrassing story. I was sitting in my dorm room in college and I was a major because I, my major was broadcasting. I think that I was young and thought I wanted to be on TV. I mean, truthfully, and I didn't love what I was learning. I was thinking that's not what I want to do. And I was watching Oprah because I'm 43 and that is what we did back then. And she said, you should do something that you love. And I switched my major to retail. I mean, it was so simple, so silly. It could have not worked out at all, but that is honestly where it all began. And then I worked at boutiques in college. And I truly thought I'm going to open a teeny tiny store and it's going to be a great way to work and have, I was again, young balance, that silly word. I mean, who even knows what it means, but I honestly thought I want to be a mom, but not a hundred percent a mom. And I want to have this little store that was as simple as, as simple and as as big as I could think in that moment. Mm Mm-hmm. And did you open the store as soon as you kind of left out of school? Did you like, was it a big winding journey (laughs) to get to here It wasn't a long wind. Well, yes, it was a very long winding journey to get to here, but to get to opening my first store, it truly wasn't. I was 25 years old when I opened. So I graduated college. I moved from Arizona to Dallas, Texas. I worked in public relations at Neiman Marcus. I worked all the time. I got a ton of fun experience. And when I moved to California, I took a job in escrow sales. And I like to say I worked half as much for twice as much. And it was the first time I understood what the Sunday blues were. I really just did not like my job. I didn't didn't get excited. I don't think I ever felt great at it. I mean, it was just that first experience, which I think most of us go through at some point. Although I did talk to a woman the other day and she said, I never felt that. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. Um, But for those who understand, I did. I lived for Fridays. I started like that feeling in your body on Sundays. And so I would write a business plan at night after work. And I just, at that time thought I am going, I couldn't think of another job as I was interviewing that I wanted to really do. So I kept going on these interviews because I wasn't happy at my job thinking, oh, I'm just going to trade this in for kind of the same thing. Um, and so that, that little bit of fear of doing that is was gave me the courage 
I wrote a business plan. I got a business loan. I started a teeny tiny store at 25 years old. You know, one of the things that I find so impressive about your store, and we opened this up by me telling you that I go there often. It's my go-to place for hostess gifts, for birthday parties. There's always something I'm finding. Um, I go in before like Christmas. I'm actually wearing some bracelets from uh, your store today. Oh, yay. Um, but there's, it doesn't feel like every other shop, especially in the area. Everyone is so nice. There's such high level of customer service. There is a really simple accessory that they didn't have in the color I wanted. And I got a text two days later. Hey, we found the color. Do you want me to hold it for you? Oh, that's nice. No, I'm not expecting that level of customer service in a, an independent boutique, let alone uh, one where there's always people in it. There's always people being busy. How has customer service been integrated into how you run your business and how has it evolved over time? Oh gosh, well, it's evolved greatly. I mean, the business, I mean, as you know, when you own a business, just anything in life, we're always evolving, we're always getting better. But a few years ago, I intentionally created a culture versus just, I think we were always a positive place to work. I'd like to think that we had nice customer service, but I was small enough that I was there, you know, 90% of the time in the beginning. So maybe it didn't feel as important to translate the feeling of the store. But as we started to grow, I started to see a need to really kind of control the environment. And by control it, I don't mean me, you know, I couldn't be it. If I, and that, that was kind of after I got the bug to want to connect with more people, have more business, you know, it was kind of an opportunity. If we can have more people come in the doors, we can connect with more women and we can really serve our mission. So it went with evolving our mission and creating a set of values that we were really going to operate by. Not like the values that you hang on the wall because they look pretty and they sound good. And I think that that's it. And so it's attracted the right kind of women to work there. It's not like a woman comes to work there and we say, ooh, that's not how we do it or that's not how we talk to people or this is how you're kind. Instead, it just attracted the kind of people who inherently they want to do a really good job. I mean, they probably felt really excited when they found that bracelet and they feel the same about a small, you know, maybe not expensive item as they do about something huge that somebody has wanted. It's, it's just that like excitement to kind of, hopefully it makes your day a little brighter. You get to have what you really wanted and then that feels good. Yeah. You know, so many of my clients, um, regularly are asking about how to translate those values to your employees, how to find the people who share those values from the beginning. I do think that learning to interview and hire well is something that some people are just more innate at than others. And it also changes over time from your experience. How have you made sure that those values, the really important ones are showing, are showing up consistently, even when you're not around? I mean, you do have to live them, number one, top down. And then what I've kind of learned is things just, they dilute as they go down, right? So I live them. I hire an executive team or really always try to promote from within that lives those values. But we talk about our values in the hiring process. We talk about our values as we promote. We talk about our values if there's something to work on. You know, it's never just don't do it that way. We have at the end of the year, we re give rewards around our values. So we integrate them in everything versus just 
mentioning them, you know, in your hiring packet. I mean, it's, they're truly, I meant them. I mean, them. they, they probably were, you know, originated as the values that I have as a human being. And I think that sometimes we're afraid to infuse that into our company, but that is what makes our company unique. And I think that we have to go, these aren't going to be for everybody. And it's a lot easier to be upfront about that in the beginning. I mean, look, we've still hired Ron. <laughs> That's just part of the process, but it does help. I mean, it, it, I've had women go, this is the, they're appalled. You know, I don't like how you refer to each other. I, I actually had a woman quit and say, stop calling each other family. It's a turnoff. And while I take all feedback, I thought that's good to note. I need to make sure that women who come to work for us realize how we do work together. And then I have another woman who recently took significantly less money than she was making because she said, I've never worked anywhere with values like this. I've never worked anywhere that embodies a growth mindset that talks about reading that gives us access to coaches. So if you're up front from the beginning, you find the people, it's a turnoff to some and it's a huge benefit for others. You said something that I think is so important, which is about infusing who you are as the entrepreneur into your business. I'm constantly coaching people to be really selfish in how the business is set up and make it work for you first and everyone else second. How have you stepped into choosing yourself more and more as you've expanded as an entrepreneur? Oh gosh, that's a great question. I honestly think part of that is just age and maturity and being okay. I don't worry anymore if the team thinks my idea is crazy or if that sounds a little, I mean, when you implement values and you haven't had them, there is a part of you that goes, does this sound a little cliche or a little cheesy or a little Pollyanna or, you know, you, you start to like these stories creep up and you just, thankfully, I, thankfully and not thankfully, honestly, I wish I had values and culture, intentional culture much earlier because there were situations that could have been avoided. However, the positive is by the time I was doing this, I was in my late thirties and I was a lot more self-secure. You know, and I think you have to just sometimes go, I can't, you're not going to make everybody happy and you can't worry about every little opinion. I mean, we just can't do that as a leader. Yeah. I spent 20 years working in fashion, footwear and apparel before doing, you know, I read that. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, whenever I look at a retail store, I instantly go into all the challenges of inventory and on-time arrivals and what happens when things aren't selling at the speed you wanted them to. You know, running a retail business is so much math and spreadsheets that I don't think most people think about when they think of like, oh, it'd be so fun to have a boutique. And you're like, do you like spreadsheets? Because that's going to be so much of this business. You know, what has surprised you about having the store and what have been some of the big challenges that you've had to tackle and, and gain expertise in to not make honestly like the cash flow work consistently, let alone um, just the, the planning for the business. Like it's so far in advance that you're having to make purchases sometimes. And of course it's been getting shorter as lead times um, are changing, at least from when I first started as like two years out for things, but like, where have you really had to like focus and dial down to be like, I have to make this work. Otherwise the business just will not happen. You know, that's the hardest part for me because I love mm-hmm. people and yeah. retail isn't a linear 
you know, growth. So it's really fun when you're hiring and you're investing into people. But at the end of the day, I always remind my team, my job is to make sure during hard times that we still have a company when the hard time, you know, everything is cyclical. So you will get, and I think this is in any business, right? People have referred to it as seasons. You get a winter, you get a spring, you get a, it doesn't matter how you refer. It is true in every business. There are times when you just feel like you've made it and it's abundant and it is so fun. And there are times where you really have to buckle down and that those numbers and those spreadsheets are what help my decision-making process. However, I mean, I'll share a story. I recently went through a time where I was getting a little too into the numbers and I was feeling a lot of anxiety and a lot of, it was like my energy level was so far down and it was actually my coach who we both know who said to me, what can you control? What are you doing right now that's adding to this anxiety and what can you control? And it's not you know, you're in retail and you cannot control necessarily what's already in store that's not selling. To a degree, you can. You know, there's so much social media and there's marketing and things like that. But, but on the other hand, you cannot. And but I could control how much I was looking at numbers. So it's such a delicate game of yes, those numbers matter so much, but then the relationships matter and the connections matter and the marketing. I mean, it's just, and I think that's the thing as an entrepreneur is you don't get to wear one hat. Um, but I have gotten really good at recognizing who's better than me at things around me. So I delegate those. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, our job is, as any business owner is to make sure we make it through the hard times. And that does become a cash flow and a numbers game. And it makes some really hard, you have to make some really hard decisions. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's definitely not linear, as you said. It's such a roller coaster. And I know how you even feel emotionally can be different hour by hour <laughs> as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Like one great phone call, one great sale, you're up something, the next right. phone call, you're down. You're like, come on, like, can we make it's it through so the day? It's <laughs> true. It's so true. Mm -hmm. So how have, you know, women in your life, other powerful ladies, how has the, the community around you gotten you through the roller coaster that is entrepreneurship and supported you in both the hard and the good times professionally and personally? Okay. So from a big community standpoint versus naming one person, 2020 was the time I realized that this community that we've built literally right here is, I mean, we owe them everything. And I realized how much we pour into them, they poured into us. So that, it's like, I will never forget that. I will never open another store in another space and ever take for granted that community and how much it means. And the loyalty is huge. Then from a closer standpoint, um, I have one woman who has worked with me almost entirely. She did take off about two years when she graduated college. I, she was 18 and I was 25 and she is still there. I mean, I call her my work wife, my left hand, my right hand, but she just has such a wonderful mindset and we've grown up together and talk about a powerful lady. I mean, she was the one recently, we are opening our second store. And it kept getting delayed and getting delayed. And as you've said, you've bought all the stuff and it's going to get old. It's not like you can keep it. You know, nobody cares about that stuff in a year. And she, like, she's the one who, when I said, there's, there's nothing we can do. And she was like, find a space, open a space, do it. I mean, you need those people in your corner who don't let you say, there's just nothing else I could do. You know, it's like that tough love 
where it's like, go somewhere else, get out of the office, get quiet. This is your job. If you don't figure this out or, and I, and you need people like that around you. So I have her. And then um, my mom is like the ultimate powerful lady that I know. And she still gives me business advice every day. If you go back to eight-year-old you, would she have imagined that you are living in Orange County and running the store and having this life? This is a complicated answer for me because yes and no. I honestly think that I always thought I could do whatever I wanted and I can't pinpoint exactly why I felt that way or where that came from. At the same time, and I'm sure most people can relate to this, sometimes when you take a pause and you go, I can't believe this is my life. This is so awesome. The blessings are beyond. So it Yes, she could, but also I think she'd be surprised at how great it really is. We're about the same age. And somebody asked me once who my mentors were, like who inspired me. And I was shocked when I listed the Babysitter's Club, Nancy Drew, Gem and the Holograms. I was like, wait, they're all fictional. (laughs) What What is going on? And I, I feel really lucky to have grown up in a period where the narrative was that you could do whatever you wanted. And even yeah. if they were fictional, there were examples of women coming together to make things that should not have been happening at their specific ages, <laughs> like via reality. But I didn't realize how few um, other sources there were for me to say, like, what what made me think I could do it? Besides my great parents. Um, mm-hmm. But it was shocking for me. So when you think back to, again, eight or another time period when you were younger, like, was there something, someone that you saw, someone that you were looking to that you said, that's, that sounds fun. I like what they're up to. So what my mom does does not sound fun to me. <laughs> However, she never put herself in a position where she couldn't take care of herself or be in control. And she was a secretary. She went to secretarial, you know, secretarial school. You know, she was raised at a time when that's what you do. And she thought she'd have five children and she ended up with just me. And she retired as a chief financial officer officer with like top security government clearance things. Right. So I, I didn't have to look at fictional and she didn't have to say anything to me. I just watched it naturally in my life. And I wasn't that in tune with what was going on. It's later in life that I can go, wow, she showed me just every single day that it's not always about the obvious path or the way that people say it's supposed to go. So I just think that there's there's so much to be said for what's going on around us. We're soaking that in. Even as adults, don't you feel we're, And it's why now we get to be so intentional, I think, you know, with what we fill our minds with. And, and you know, that's totally different than, you know, you were looking at fictional characters because there weren't real women all over the place on podcasts and on TV shows and on Netflix series for you that didn't exist. It was Oprah, as you said earlier, like that was like, if you were listening who badass women were, you're like Oprah and then maybe some politician that's out there and... Right. Or a celebrity, which isn't really doing what I want to do. It was really minimal. Not that women weren't doing great things at that time. It just wasn't getting, to your point, the media attention that women do now. I mean, there's 
we just got came through the you know entire Barbie, Beyonce, Taylor Swift mm-hmm. year. Um, it's just, yeah, it's it's such a different shift than the narrative that was around us. But I don't, I never was told I couldn't necessarily do something. Of course, there are a few scenarios I remember, yeah. but um, it was it was that unique transition. And I I even thought in corporate life, I started off seeing women who were trying to be like like men leaders, which wasn't always mm. using their power to their full capacity. And then I slowly started seeing women leaders who were just being themselves. And yeah. I like, I just got to see that more as I was stepping into my own leadership spaces. But it was like part of why I created this because I had so many men in my life that I looked up to also from the categories I was working in that I wanted and were craving who were other women rising alongside because I know they're out there. I know that there's women doing incredible things that no one's hearing their story. When you think of the words powerful and ladies, what do those words mean to you? And do their definitions change when they're next to each other? Hmm. I don't know if their definitions change. I mean, powerful is, I mean, powerful in itself is, such a powerful word, right? I think of it as the ability to ignite change, whether in ourselves, in our communities, to kind of to just create our own story. I think power and creation go together so much for me. And so when you add that to a lady, it almost, I mean, honestly, I start to think like unstoppable and it's so cheesy, but and I don't know because I'm not a man, so I'm not putting a man down by any means, but I do know that when a woman has an idea and if she wants to create change, it's happening. And to me, that is so powerful. And whether it's on you know, a level at her home, in her children's school, in her business, at the state, I mean, you can take it as tiny or as huge, but the ripple effects can be you know, so big from, from some of those small changes. And I just think it, powerful lady when you put it together it sounds really hopeful mm-hmm. um my coach is angie which is how i found out about you and she has a note in here to make sure i ask you about pivoting and how <laughs> pivoting has been such a big part of your uh entrepreneurial journey you know what's great um about having a coach in general i think and obviously you know this because you are a coach and you have a coach um Sometimes, especially when our confidence might wane in harder times, it takes a coach or somebody who knows you really well to see what you are good at. And something Angie will always remind me when I'll say, this just isn't working or that's not working or I'm worried about this or that. And she said, it's a pivot. That's what you do. That's what you've done since the day I've known you. And I really think, I mean, I have had a retail store for 18 years. We started half the size as a maternity store with a different name. I've rebranded. We've grown, we've, you know, that didn't work out quite how we thought. So we do this, we do that. It's at the end of the day, it's just being open to change. And I, I remember when she said that, I said, I hate the word pivot. 2020 made everybody say the word pivot. I hate the word pivot. And, but there isn't a better word. I am just, I think that it is very important in life. I think as a leader, it is crucial to find what other people are great at. And then I think when you're a leader, sometimes you need someone in your life to remind you what you are great at and change doesn't bother me. It never has. So I have to run with that. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, it just means that you're keeping your eyes open. You know, it's, 
heartbreaking, I think, to see businesses that have found a groove and they stop paying attention and they're not looking at industry trends, fashion trends, like consumer buying habits. Like they're not in a change mindset or a flexibility even mindset. Um, Because sometimes pivot is so terrifying because it sounds like you're making a 180 shift, but sometimes it's a 10 degree shift that like gives you access to everything. So yeah, like I agree with you. Like that word is so, it's just not inspiring <laughs> as a word anymore. But it, no, it's, because it was so overused and it was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, we, but it's happening all the time. I think, I think great entrepreneurs, great leaders, they're constantly paying attention and, and shifting. It's, it's guiding a boat down a river more than it is I think anything else. And sometimes you hit the the side and you're like, well, okay, we're not going to do that again, but it's constant navigating. So you said like, I hear in your share, like how committed you are to making sure that your employees that you love get to keep loving their job, that they get to keep coming to work. Um, You know, as the business has grown, as your team has grown, how have you um, not gotten consumed by the pressure of being responsible for other people's happiness, futures, financial stability. Mm, That's constant work, I will tell you again. um, I think that, so for my story, my baseline and before I really went through a self-improvement process was to be a very, like a low energy, scarcity, anxious, like that's, that, that was in me and I had to work really hard. And I almost think it's like going to the gym, right? If you stop going, your muscles get smaller. If I am not intentional and conscious and working on myself, that pressure is almost like I cannot breathe. But if I do that, then I paralyze myself. And then I will, it would be like a self-fulfilling prophecy because I just, all I'm thinking about is the wrong thing. So that's where it went back to the basics for me. Stop sitting in the hard, stop sitting in the numbers. You have to know enough to run your business and then you have to leave enough space and enough quiet to create. How do I do that? You know, I mostly let them feed into me as much as I feed into them. The women around me are incredible. The women at my company, when when I need them to show up and just say that right thing, they really do. So I think my biggest advice to myself on a daily basis is just be quiet a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Th- th- there's been so much conversation about the listening component, mm-hmm. um, and it can be hard <laughs> to remember to pause and listen when we're going at a million miles a minute. Um, I've been working with Angie a lot about really carving out more and more space for myself, and the more of the soul filling components because it's so easy to look at the schedule that. I built all my fault and be like, wait, what's my week look like? I'm already tired and it's Monday morning. Um, And I have to keep coming back to remembering I created this and in that I can control it and I can change it if I need to. But that listening component when we have so much work to get done, I know that my personal, and I tell my team this, so they're warned well in advance. I will jump into a meeting and start getting all the things done. And then when we're done, be like, oh, and how are you guys? And I'm like, maybe I should start that way. Maybe that's guilty, guilty. 
or you have a quick call and the person is so nice and they're asking you all about your weekend and you, you want to say, this is so sweet, but let's go. You know, I'm guilty. I get it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're moving fast. It just, but also for me, getting quiet is as simple as, um, simple, but hard to do not falling into just the distractions, right? When I am stressed and I am spinning, it sounds really nice to just scroll. Sounds really nice to just knock out 10 emails that are, you know, they don't really take any brain power. So for me, the listening is also just being quiet enough to like hear yourself. That part's hard for me because I think that I'm supposed to fill all my minutes, right? I, I programmed myself and I don't know if you feel this way with a busy schedule to never waste any minutes. And I had to reframe that. It's not wasting but that's a, it's a reframe for me. Well, even making sure that we put like research into our day, like that needs to be blocked out like anything else. Cause you have to be doing research about, you know, trends and new brands. Like there's so much constant knowledge to be consuming, to stay not just relevant, but ahead of the curve that we all want to be on. Like I had to block out time for additional like education, like what are new marketing things that are happening? What are new platforms? How is, I mean, my MBA is from a long time ago. So yeah. like, there's been so much change happening that I have to stay on top of, but that shouldn't be my weekends. That needs to be built into my Monday through Friday because it's, it's work. Um, but I agree with you like that continuing, knowing that it's not selfish to have daydreaming, open brainstorming time or journal, like whatever I need to do to Mm -hmm. get to that self-listening, it changes everything. And I know Angie's always on my case because I'm not a daily journaler. And I know that her journal can be found at your store. (laughs) I (laughs) I am a daily journaler (laughs) because of her journal though. It's the prompts. Like you just open a blank Mm -hmm. page for me and that feels um, like, it's almost like when would it end? You know, Mm -hmm. so you just don't start. (laughs) Yeah. This is going to be an hour journaling session versus five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. So I don't know. I think that I, something I wish I would have known at a younger age and maybe we share a personality trait in that of just because we feel this need to achieve and to do that. We forgot that it's okay. I mean, I honestly, if I'm really honest and this is when I was not a great leader, it was like, I judged people who were okay, not working all the time, not being on all the time, not what it was, which is a really, you know, vulnerable thing to admit because who wants to hang out with or be around somebody like that? But it was like, I thought it was a badge of honor. Yeah. And that's a pretty sad and exhausting way to live. When I think it's like that fine balance, right? Of like what craving to be around people who are at your speed, but also respecting the people who are on a completely different speed. Um, even like one of my sisters and I are, are on completely different, like time continuums. <laughs> like, right. I, it, we were the classic example of sharing a room growing up and like, there's a clear line. Mine was tidy. Hers was messy. Like right. she shows up late. I show up early. Like it's just that space. Right. So, um, it, 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 I think it is interesting. How do we leave room for everyone who's different from us and choosing their own paths? But then how, how, how can we be attracting the people who are have similar intentions, even if they're not on the same productivity scale, but 
that growth mindset, the, well, how do we make an impact? Um, like I have to, I have to, I'm having a procedure and I have to be on bed rest for three days. And that's giving me anxiety. Like, how do I lay down for three days? <laughs> and like, how do you enjoy mind? it? Cause when else will you <laughs> yes. get this? Like how I want you to enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I want to ask hard for you. I can already tell. We don't know each other that yes. well yet. I can already, I'm like, ooh, that's going to be hard. I'm going to check on you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to ask some fun questions about having a store. So people who are daydreaming about opening their own retail shop, their own boutique, what is the fun part? And like most people, it's like the buying, the shopping, like how are you finding new brands? How are you finding product? And how much fun is that for you? Okay. So I am like buying is what I love. When we talk about passing off what you're not as great at, right? Visuals, I did them when I had to. Systems, I created them when I had to, but those were like the first things that I gave away. Buying was the last thing I was willing and able to share because I love it. But I will tell you that every person who has come to work for me as a buyer is shocked that you go to market. You know, once every month or two, we do a buy and all the other days are what just what you said. It is running numbers. It is running spreadsheets. What's selling? What's not selling? You know, how does this tie into this store to this marketing? You're recalling. I mean, most of it isn't glamorous, but the days you get to go are really fun and really interesting. And connecting with people is is my favorite part of the job. And when sales are clicking, like you're seeing it all work, everything you've done. I mean, that is so much fun. Mm -hmm. I I love the component as well, that when you are the retailer, you get to see the connection and the excitement that whoever designed that piece usually doesn't get to see because they're too, they're removed from the customer. Um, How often are you sending feedback to where, like the brands you bought from the artisans you might've bought from to let them know like how excited people are about their products? You'd be surprised at how rarely people ask. I have certain brands and they're honestly normally the strongest that will say, and the the best brands will say, well, what are, let's say it's a denim brand. The best ones will say, what's selling from other people? What are other people creating for you that were not? A lot of brands don't ask, but the ones who do always tell me, oh, it's such great information because we don't get to hear direct from the consumer. And I think that all of our best ideas have come from our clients, all of them. And every week when we meet, we talk about what are people asking for that we don't have? You know, what do we have that nobody's touching? What trends are they ready for? We do like a lot of surveys on email and online because your clients will tell you. The hard part is listening to them because let's be honest, you've made this buy, you have all this stuff and they're like, I hate it. You know, they don't say it quite like that, but they're, they're showing you that with their checkbook every day. Sometimes it's hard to listen because it's not the answer you wanted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. Like just, uh, I spent so many years of my life looking at sell-through reports and nothing's more frustrating than like knowing something should work and not, and being like, why isn't this working? Everything we've done, all the data, all the research, it should be working. Like, where's that missing piece? Cause it, it's often is one thing that's missing. It's priced a little too off or it's not merchandised with other things that make it stand out or it's so frustrating to figure out what that one variable is of like, why is it working in Austin, but not in 
Newport Beach. Mm-hmm. And it can be fun, but it can also just be so frustrating when you believed in it so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there are as many hard days as there are great days. And I think that, I mean, people always ask, what keeps you going? And I honestly, for me, it was, there was no plan B. There's still no plan B (laughs) because sometimes if there was a plan B, I would jump ship and I would go on to plan B to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. Other days I wouldn't, but certainly some days I'm like, what did I do? Yeah. Uh, It's hard. It really Mm -hmm. is. And not just retail. I think it's to your point. So many of the questions you ask tie into the same thing, right? You're looking at the numbers, you're worrying about your employees, you're figuring out the customer, you're keeping up with ever-changing, you know, trends in trends in how people are spending their money and what they're wanting to look for. And it's, it's just a lot of things that you, and you don't get to let one slide. No. Or you feel it if you do. <laughs> it comes back yeah. pretty quickly. You do. So we've been asking everyone where they put themselves in the powerful lady scale. If zero is average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady you can imagine, where would you rank yourself today and on an average day? Hmm. I'm not doing so bad. I'd say I'm an eight. You know, I think I've gone from like a six to an eight in probably the last five years and hopefully I'll go from an eight to a nine in the next few years. What for you are non-negotiables to have a great day or a great week? My morning routine, a hundred percent is non-negotiable. And for me, that includes time to pray, to journal, to work out. And I just, I set my day. I have a pretty long, quiet morning routine. And it's because from the time I wake my children up at 6.30 until they go to bed, I am with people really. Um, And a lot of other outside things can take control of my day. You know, when you're running a company that happens, so those are that morning time to do those things is not negotiable for me. I work with a lot of women about creating maternity plans when they are the business owners. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I have a lot of women between 25 and 40 and it's either their first or their second or their first running their own business. You know, there's so many gross stereotypes about what women can and can't do while they're pregnant and when they're mothers. <laughs> and we're so worried about, will this entire business we've created fall apart because we're now a mom? How has being a mom changed how you think about your business and how has it expanded your ability to step into just leadership in general? Oh gosh. So I kind of grew up as a mom while growing the business. I had the business first, but on such a tiny scale. And then it was like, I kept it small and I had my children. And I think it could have gone one or two ways. Having those children could have made me appreciate the the small, you know, the less pressure, but it also set me up for wanting more financial freedom in order to give them the lives that I pictured being able to provide. And also to make it make sense that I was gone so much. So I, I really feel that it could have gone either way for me. Having children made me really tap into what do I want? If I'm leaving you for this many hours a day, what do I want to build and what do I want to do? And that had to be more than just financial freedom, right? That had to be for far more. And I really had to get serious about what I wanted to create. I think I just, because of how I grew up, I am very aware that our children are watching and learning from what we do. I mean, that is so 100% apparent to me. So I just think that it's 
running my business has really helped me relate. Like things are hard for them and they know I'm not joking when I'm like, I know it's hard. I mean, you know, if we're pushing and if we're learning and if we're growing, so am I. And I just, I think that that's important that we don't get to a point that we stop doing the things that we're asking our children to do. Mm-hmm. And there's such a, an extended community and village component. Like I, I, I think it just reminds you that we can't run a business by ourselves. We oh my can't gosh. be great parents by ourselves. We can't like, it requires so many people to make our best life happen. Um, and I wish more women said that, you know, I was on, mm-hmm. I don't go to many mom's nights for my kids' school. I mean, social life is something that I was willing to sacrifice mostly right now for, in order to, you know, have what I want in business. And I did. And the sweetest mom who I know, but not well. And she was like, I just don't understand. I don't understand how you do what you do. And I was like, you have to remember, I have great help, but we don't really have traditional roles in our home because of my hours that I work. I have a babysitter who's still, I said, I don't pack lunches and her eyes got so bad. I'm like, we have to tell people that like there had to be things. These are things I'm not going to do. These are things I'm going to pay somebody to do so that then when my children are home, I'm actually with them. And I feel like we used to, and I'm so glad I think this time is over. But when I was early in business and first had my kids, it was still that like superhero mentality. I was, again, so proud that I had my son on Friday and I had to go to work on Monday. It was like this disgusting badge of honor. And at the same time, acting like I was doing everything else. It was like, you just couldn't ask for help. And I think it created so much craziness in our minds and left zero time for ourselves, zero time to grow as a human being. And thankfully, we're not in that anymore. I think we're all being honest about about what we do and don't do. Well, I think also, you know, I've always been really impressed with the French way or even just the bigger European way of raising families where it's just more relaxed in the sense of they don't need to be in 500 activities. We don't need to be making the best cupcakes at school. In fact, I don't know who's bringing cupcakes anywhere (laughs) at school in France, but it's just like kids fit into your life versus everything now being realigned or like it's the kids and nothing else. And I'm glad to see shifts happening where we're talking to your point of like the whole village and no, we're not going to play these crazy games. We're not going to follow this culture because you said it earlier about how you have to make choices for yourself and you can't be following the path that somebody else's to have what is going to work for you. And I just think that fits in all components of our ability to have an authentic life to ourselves. Like we can't live our neighbors, our sisters, our best friends dream life because it wouldn't fit ours. Like it wouldn't work the same way. And it's so much more interesting that there's so many ways to do it, right? Like if we all had the same schedule and the same, everything, it's just not interesting. I mean, I find it, I find my friends and I remember saying this to a woman who came to work for us after raising, she left her career to raise her three children and she came to work for us. And she said one day, I just, I can't do this yet quite like you do. She was comparing, you know, her story to my story. And I looked at her and said, but I don't really know how to run a full household for a week with my children by myself. And as silly as that sounds like the thought of doing 
all the things and all the scheduling and all the crafts and all the cooking. And, and I could see the relief it brought her because she was forgetting, like she could do that with her eyes closed. I mean, she could run circles around me because that was what they did as a family unit. And so to your point, it made it really, and so it was like, I can learn from her and she can learn from me. And there's no judgment in either choice. We're all doing what worked for our own homes and our own family. And it's, it's, if we're not sitting in that judgment, then we really could learn some cool things. Yeah, 100%. And I really want us to change the, the phrase homemaker to like house CEO, because that's really what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And instead of, you know, mine's just, and I'm sure yours, mine's just a shared role. Yeah. Well, it, it's every everything is, right? Like I really co-CEOing, co-creating, there's so many partners in every step of the process. Um, I can't even have like I, I, the number of people I need to have my dog have a functioning life is like alone one thing. So it, it's, we need to remember that if they're, if we're missing the community, if we're missing the village, we're missing our ability to go to just the next level in general, let alone our sanity and peace of mind. So true. Um, as we are in January of 2024, what are you excited about this year and what are you looking forward to? Oh, so I really committed to creating a more peaceful lifestyle this year. And that is really opposite of where I've been at for the past few years where I've held that achievement as a badge of honor. Um, I'm just looking forward to a lot more peace, more peace in my home, um, just a little more empathy in my leadership style. And a little more grace for what's going on in myself. Yeah, I relate to that. Yes, um, pieces. Maybe of my it's words our, for the year too. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's our age. I don't know. I'm just mm-hmm. because you said we're similar in age. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I never. I mean, three years ago, I would have been like, what? When I, I just, I, I think I've also just been paying attention that when I relax into something, like it's happened. There's been silly examples already this year. I had to run. I think we even have similar nail color. Mine's pink. It's looking red, but I had to go get my nails done urgently. Cause like I seriously broke a nail and I was like, this is not going to, I can't make it to the day like this. And I went in, it was packed. There were only two people working. I'm like, there's no way I can have this done and get to dinner on time. But I just sat down anyway. And I was like, well, we'll just see what happens and relaxed. Everyone left the salon, even people who like still needed a service done. They're like, you know what? I have to run. I'll come back tomorrow to get my toes done. And I just watched the entire place empty and then have two people working on me. I was like, what just happened? And then it happened again the next day of like, not, I'm like, not going to be stressed out about this. Let's just see what happens. And to see the seas parting <laughs> as I just That's sit really in, cool. That's really good. It's impactful. going to work. Um, I, yeah, it's been it's been really interesting to just sit in. Let's see if it works. Cause I'm so good at using the get shit done masculine energy. And I'm like, nope, we're going to be feminine energy this year. We're going to, it always works out. So why do I keep trying to force it to? <laughs> I don't know, but that's really inspiring for me. I like it. Thank you. You're welcome. For everybody who wants to find you, follow you, come shop, meet you? Where can they do all of those things? So we have our website is shopcommonthread.com. And then we are, I'm on Instagram as shopgirlsteph. But if you want to see more of the store and styles there, it's um, 
shop common thread OC. I'm like, why did I have to think about that? (laughs) It's like knowing people's phone numbers, you know, knowing your handle, you, you forget. Yeah. Especially when you have more than one, you're like, I don't, the team touches it. I don't remember anymore. Let me ask them. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I know how busy you are and that you are very important in all the uh, teams and family and everyone else that you're a part of. So thank you for your time and sharing your story today. And hopefully we'll get to hang out in person uh, soon. I hope so too, Kara. Thank you. Have a great day. All the links to connect with Stephanie, to shop at Common Threads, and to score a discount code are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review. Join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies and connect directly with me at caraduffy.com or Kara underscore Duffy on Instagram. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.